G'day folks, welcome to Pause and Listen, a podcast series brought to you by Big Dog Pet Foods, the leading pet nutrition provider in Australia with over 20 years of experience in the pet industry. We provide educational resources for pet parents and are proud of being transparent in everything we do. The podcast series is hosted by me, Johnny Manning, and we bring you interviews and deep dives into pet nutrition, pet care, training, and regular Ask a Vet segments. So thanks for tuning in. Now get your tails wagging and we'll get yapping. G'day pet owners, fur parents, lovers of all creatures, great and small. Welcome to Pause and Listen. It's a Big Dog Pet Foods podcast. It's a place for you to come to find out all manner of pet-related information. My name is Johnny Manning. Today I have a very, very special guest. This gentleman started his raw feeding journey well over 20 years ago. He actually educated me on the benefits and processes of raw, raw feeding, and I would say he's probably responsible for the wellness of hundreds and thousands of dogs all across the nation. The founder, the managing director of Big Dog Pet Foods, the big dog, Chris Essex. G'day, Chris. G'day, man. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Just come a little bit close to that microphone. I know we got we both have big, booming voices, but... Uh, People need to hear what you're going to say, mate. I get a bit soft near the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Raw feeding, you've been on this journey for a long time, mate. Now, we have spoken about this before. We did do a, a bit of a wrap-up, oh, probably close to a year ago now, about raw feeding. But I want to know um, what, why raw feeding for dogs? I mean, we've been feeding cooked kibble to animals for so long. 150 years. Long time. Mm-hmm. I want to take it back to basics. Yep. And why have we come almost a full circle back to where raw feeding is, is where it is now? Why? Tell me. Well, exciting, isn't it? It that is. We, that we are coming back to to the raw feeding being popular again. Um, I think, you know, most people out there now, there's a lot more information, there's studies as well that people can refer to. And, um, and and there's a lot of feeders that have been doing and practising this now for over 20 years. So they're seeing the benefits and then they're sharing it with their friends and family as well. And I think it's that's probably been the, the strongest part of this raw feeding revolution, I suppose, is, the, is just the word of mouth that's getting around, the sharing, the data that's available. Um, and, you know, the, result, the results, more importantly, is just the, the results that's happening. You know, there's, there's so many... Wonderful stories that we're hearing, and you, you say that we've helped many thousands of dogs, and we really have, and, that, and that's what keeps us going. But, you know, there's so many parents out there that have just seen these huge life-changing benefits from, from going from a highly processed diet to a raw food diet. So and it just makes sense. It's, it's a common-sense approach. It's an evolutionary feed food that we're doing for, for the pet parents out there. We're just mimicking a wild dog's diet, so... Nature never gets it wrong. Well, okay. In in that case, then nature never gets it wrong. It's an evolutionary diet. What is raw feeding for animals? Uh, you know, is this, this is not going to be hard. Think of me as an idiot walking in. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be hard for you to, <laughs> to picture. You got it straight away. <laughs> Thought so. I'm an idiot walking in off the street. I don't know anything about raw feeding. Yep. And and not, that's not saying that people out there who don't know are idiots. I'm the idiot here. Uh, Tell me what raw feeding for uh, cats and dogs is. 
Well, I mentioned evolutionary diet, yeah, uh, ancestral diet, diet, uh, the bath diet, and we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that. I'm sure it's really um, my my sales pitch hasn't changed for the last 23 years. To be honest, really, what we're trying to do is just mimic a wild dog's diet. So you think of a wild dog out there, what they catch, and cats as well, what they catch, kill, and then eat. Um, yeah, a bit of muscle or a lot of muscle. Bone matter, offals, definitely offals, they go there first. That's, that's the most nutritious part of it, obviously. Uh, and then they've got a bit of the gut contents and, and maybe there's a little bit of um, vegetable matter and whatnot sitting in the guts there of the smaller prey that's caught, not necessarily the biggest prey. But, you know, all of this is just complementing each other. So what we do is is mimic the wild dog's diet and that's a raw feeding diet. Let me ask you this. There's a bit of vegetable and, and plant matter in the gut content of an animal, let's say, that... So a wolf is scavenging on the carcass of a deer, which yep. is, you know, they're eating whatever they're eating. Is there an instance where you might see a wolf out in the wild eat a berry off a tree? Or, uh, or you know, I mean, it's, uh, that's a weird question. No, I, I get, get it. it. But yep. is, is there a prevalence for that in, in dogs? Or is it, you know, if you see it doing it, it's kind of a one-off scenario. Yeah, I think it's just... Uh, you know, it's a seasonal thing. Yeah. So obviously the berries don't aren't there or the fruit aren't there all the time or falling off the trees. So they're walking through, they're, they're needing some energy, they, they eat some berries, they eat grass matter, they eat whatever they can at that point in time. I mean, their preference is obviously uh, an animal, yeah. so, so muscle meat and, and all those other goodies that I've just mentioned before. I mean, that's the preference, but the, re- re- the reality is that they're going to eat their scavengers as well, so they're going to eat whatever they can. Yeah. You know, and it's been proven time and time again that, that they will eat berries, and they'll eat grass, they'll eat sticks, you know. It, it, it's it's just a, a blend of everything. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So if a, if someone's dog is eating grass, yep. I'm sort of going off track a little bit, but it, right. it's on topic. So yeah. if someone's dog is eating grass, everyone's, oh, that means your dog's sick. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that, does it? No, it's an old myth. Yeah. It's an absolute old myth. Um, many, many dogs. You know, if you actually taste a bit of grass, I don't even get down and eat grass, but, you know, we grow our own wheatgrass. And when when you try that wheatgrass after we harvest, it's so sweet and it, it's highly nutritious. But grass, it, the grass is just a natural instinct for them. They, they eat it, they enjoy it. Um, and, and, and I have no doubt that it does help the add fibre to their diet. So it keeps them regular as well. Some dogs enjoy it, some don't. You almost got to trust the dog, right? Like the, yeah. the, the dog's going to know instinctively what it needs to eat. If it's yep. going to eat grass, oh, it needs a bit of grass. Okay. Okay. Happy days. Yeah, what's the problem? Yeah. Yeah. It's, right. it's not just dogs and cats. It's a whole host of other animals that eat weird and wonderful stuff out there if you were to follow them. Um, you know, it's just we're always talking about dogs. So, yeah, it's just, it's just another thing that a dog will eat. So going back to – that was a lovely little digress we went on then. But going mm. back to the, the main topic where – the evolutionary diet, and we're we're trying to mirror the diet of the wild animal. Yeah. So how do we do that? You, you you said before, nature always gets it right. So how do we then mimic nature to yeah. get it right for the dog? Yeah. So you you have a look at, um, I suppose, the contents of that animal, and and that's where we land up. We land on you know the rough, and and again, it's a it's an approximate. I mean, people get really hooked on this. It must be that. 70, 10, 10, 10, you know, it, or 80, 20 and all this sort of stuff. You don't have to be so, so rigid on it, you know. So 70% muscle meat, 10% bone, 
10% off all, and then you've got 10% of, of fruit and veg and the other wonderful ingredients that you want to add into it. So as long as you're working around that sort of scenario, and that's really replicating what's going on out in the wild. Because it's never going to be 70, 10, 10, 10 in the wild. It's it's going to, you know, obviously, ideally it would be, but it's never going to be those exact numbers, is it? Well, ideally, is that right? There's yeah. the other question. Who's yeah. saying that 70, 10, 10, 10 is it? Yeah. That's yeah. just the approximates and the percentages yeah. that we work on. And, and people get really, as I said, really quite um, rigid around those sort of percentages. You don't need to be. You just, you know, and it will change between your, your, your flavours that you're, you're adding or the raw materials that you're adding as well. Yeah. Um, you know, every one of our diets aren't sitting on those percentages. There is a little bit of a fluctuation depending on what the raw materials we have that we think will complement that diet. And it's changing. And, again, we, we really like to work on a nose-to-tail philosophy. So of all of our wonderful suppliers that we've had out there, we've had some of them from day dot. So 23 years, you know, we've had partners out there supplying us. If they've got a raw material that they can't use but we can, well, we're going we're gonna to try to work that into our diet and, and formulations to, to complement the other ingredients that we're adding there to get the macros that we're chasing. And I guess that's a pretty good story of sustainability as well. You know, that nose to tail that you just mentioned, that's a thats a good story. Nothing's going to waste. No, absolutely. It's got to be that way. You know, we, we don't want a wastage. You know, the, these animals have been slaughtered for the, the human sector. It, it, there's no wastage allowed. You know, if we can if we can get that, those raw ingredients that haven't been used by the HC sector, well, obviously we're going to, we're going to utilise them as best we can. And by HC, you mean human consumption? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about the evolutionary diet. We're talking about the diet of the wild animals. We're also talking about BARF, BARF, mm-hmm. all right? That's an acronym. What does BARF stand for? Well, it stands for Biologically Appropriate Raw Food. Okay. But again, when i am when I'm got my sales hat on and that, and some of the people can't really under- <laughs> remember that, it just stands for Bones and Raw Food. Bones it's a nice, simple food. version, yeah. Yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. Easy. All right, so what... So, We've spoken about the 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 makeup of the evolutionary diet. That's the makeup of the bath diet, yep. right? Um, you, you talk about seventy percent muscle meat, mm-hmm. but then there's that ten percent of offal. So yep. what are we what are we talking about when we talk about offal? Yeah, that's a good question too because I probably need to get some clarity around that for everybody. So that 10%, when I'm working through those sort of formulations, I'm relying on livers and kidneys um, because they're very similar in a nutritional level. And you've just got to be a little bit careful. You can go too heavy on, on those particular raw ingredients. Um, you know, you're worried about vitamin A, vitamin D, toxicity in, in those sort of ingredients. But if you were to look at the Handbook of Australia and check out the offals, there's a whole host of other ingredients such as spleen, tripe, uh, what else are, are we using in there, um, lungs, all that sort of stuff, you know, that aren't as nutritious in their own right. And I, I tend to treat them a lot like a, a muscle meat right? because they have the same um, macros as what, as what we refer to muscle meat, heart, that sort of stuff as well. It's just like another piece of beef really when you're looking at the actual nutritional content of those raw ingredients. So we'll include those as part of that muscle meat formulation as well. Okay. And then the bones. So just for the person who's not, I guess, up to speed on the evolutionary diet and what Big Dog Pet Foods does, the bones don't come in, you know, the 
it's not a femur bone, is it? It's you, no. you're crushing the bone up. Yeah. So we don't we we won't we'll never use any weight bearing bones. It's um it's too hard for the dogs to digest to start with, which is right. the most important point. But second of all, it beats my machinery up. Of course, <laughs> it's yeah, trying it's, to grind. Um, yeah. You know those really hard weight bearing bones. It just doesn't make sense. So on on two levels. So we'll use the the softer bone, the white cartilage sort of bone. Um, and and really the the rule of thumb for the people out there that there's a lot of DIYs as well, right? They're not going to buy our product, and and you know I, I love the DIYs getting out there and having a crack at at doing as well. And that's why I'm saying don't be so rigid on those percentages. But um, you know as a rule of thumb, most meaty bones might be about a fifty fifty. Just work off those percentages. You're still not going to get it wrong, right? As long as it's got a bit of meat, bit of fat on it, it's probably going to be about fifty fifty. So. When we formulate up, it uh, we might have in our formulations 20% because I'm allowing 50% of still that muscle, meat, and fat to be on there, and then that 10% soft bone going through. Right. Okay. And what what, uh, the, what nutrient value do you get out of that soft bone? Well, everybody can relate immediately to calcium. Right. But depending on the bone as well, and when you're talking about the white bone, predominantly that, that is what, what is in there. But if you can get some of those bones that aren't weight-bearing but – have a bit of marrow content in that in as well. well. Then you're getting all the lovely omega-3s, all the essential fatty acids. You're getting um, iron. You're getting, um, I've already mentioned the fats, but uh, you're getting zincs and, and all that sort of stuff that you're, you're going to get out of the meat as well. But there's a whole host of other um, nutrients found in, in that actual marrow of the bone as well. Mm-hmm. To be honest, it sounds like a great diet for a person. You know what I mean? Everything you're talking about with the the, the ri- nutrient rich ingredients, it sounds like if a person was to go on a biologically appropriate raw food diet, they would be incredibly bloody healthy. Oh, 100 percent. And that's that's what we're seeing now. You, you've got the harvesting of of the offals and the processing and freeze dried and, and encap- encapsulating them, and then you know it's for the the HC sector. You know, you're buying that now as your daily vitamin and mineral supplement, and they're spot on. You know that that's that's going to be so much better for for us um, than what a synthetic pill will be. That's full of all the synthetic vitamins and minerals. Mm. It just doesn't get digested the same way for us, and it doesn't get digested the same way for, as the dog for the dogs either. So, you know, don't get me started on Afco. You're going to get me started on Afco. Better later, on aren't you? I was better ask it now. Yeah, that's all right. We can we can cir- we can circle back to Afco. <laughs> the uh, if you're listening there, it's the. Associate, American Association of Feeders Control, something or other. Organization, yeah. Organization, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the departments and, and <laughs> bureaus and whatnot. We'll come, we'll come back there, mate, because... Well, um, I'm sweating already. That's all right, because if you're listening out there, you'll know that AFCO is an American organization uh, that was started to decide, well... It wasn't started to do this, but what they do is they talk about uh, a diet being complete and balanced for an animal. So we'll get to that maybe a bit later on, Christopher. Um, we've I, I just said that the a biologically appropriate raw diet for a person would be incredible. I want to drill into some of the specifics of the benefits for a for a dog. Like, you know, we can say it's healthy for a dog. Okay, it's getting protein. It's getting it's calcium, it's getting a bit of fibre, great. Yep. What does that all mean for a dog? Mm. Well. Not those specific things, but the diet. Yeah, what, no, what does the, it mean the, for the, a dog? The diet has been proven just to give not just um, 
allow the dog to live um, but thrive, you know, have a, have a real meaningful life, um, a life that's not full of sickness, inflammation. Um, you know, they're, they're not lethargic, they're not ageing quickly, they're, they're really in, um, having a great life with, that, with their family and that's, that's what drives us uh, essentially is just to ensure, you know, that the dogs are part of the family. And you want what's very best for, for your family. And that's why we, we always research now and have a look at what, what's really healthy for our family or what's really healthy for your dog as well because they're not much different, to tell the truth. Yes, the way that they can eat raw food and bones and that, absolutely. But the nutrition that you're, you're asking about is very similar. The digestibility of that nutrition is, is very similar. Um, and the benefits are, I suppose, you've just got a really healthy body. So the biggest problem, in my opinion in the human sector is just straight out inflammation. Yeah. Right? We're eating foods that inflame us, whether they're highly processed or whatever they are. You know, our our inflammation as people causes then chronic illness or discomfort. But a lot a lot of it can be mitigated by diet. Is it a similar situation with our dogs? Are we causing our dogs tremendous inflammation just by feeding them these highly processed diets? Of course we are. Of course, we are. and that, that's what it is. Inflammation is the precursor to any illness out there. That's been proven. Um, so we are walking around in a constant state of inflammation, or a lot of us are. We're well, not all, but because some of us are right on top of our nutrition. But it's very hard as well for for us to to not or to counteract that inflammation because our highly processed diets that we're exposed to every day, you know, from breakfast to lunch to dinner. It's all high carb, high process, um, rancid oils. All all these contribute to to inflammation in our body. You know, high carb that's just sugar in our body, and then that ends up as inflammation in our body. Rancid oils it, it counteracts what you're actually trying to do. You know, it, yes, it'll give you killages if that's what you're worried about. Go eat those rancid oils. But I'll tell you what they will do is they'll give you some serious inflammation because they're omega sixes based. What's a rancid oil? So rancid's a, a, an oil that's been cooked, highly processed. Okay, can any oils be cooked? Uh, all oils can be. But, I mean, without becoming rancid? Or do some of them have a higher yeah. temperature? Yeah, of course they do, like coconut oil does, and that's why some some of those um, nutritionists out there are recommending that you do you cook in coconut oil because it's got a high smoke point. So you're not actually changing those, those fatty acids um, as quickly as what you would with um, even olive oil. You know, olive oil is fantastic oil for us, cold-pressed olive oil. But have it on your salads, don't cook in it. You know, and when you go in and buy those vegetable oils um, on the cheaper ones on, on the supermarket shelf or whatever, you know, they have been exposed to over 350 degrees. So what they've done is denature. They've, they've, they've made those omega-6s and 3s both become rancid. Um, and normally those cheaper ones are a cheaper seed oil. So... They're high in omega-6 anyway. And as we know, omega-6 is inflammation and omega-3 is anti-inflammation. So the perfect ratio out there that everybody talks about with omega, let's say, 3s to 6s is 1 to 3. Um, and some people are now arguing about 1.2, but, you know, you know it, it, let's work on those sort of scenarios. Not many of us are now eating a diet that's, and especially our dogs, uh, are eating a diet that has those sort of ratios. It's more like 1 to 20. So right. when we're talking those those sort of ratios, we are there is a lot of inflammation going on. Yeah, I mean, 
my knee's hurting while I'm sitting here right now and I'm thinking to myself, what have I eaten to make my knee hurt? <laughs> I'm not joking. Well, that's wear and tear, but you're, yeah, you're I know, right. But you can eat, you but, can eat some but, food. But when, when I, you know, uh, if I change my diet on a deep cut, all of a sudden my joints stop hurting. Yep. So, um, yeah. Well, it, let's move on to that. For dog uh, bone and joint health, how does the evolutionary diet or the bath diet assist with their joints, because we're quite often seeing through breeding of dogs as well, we're seeing the hind legs going and, you know, as your dog ages as well, the, their joints start to go because they jump up on the couch or whatever they do every day. Yeah. How does the bath diet assist with joint health? health? Joint health. Yeah, well, I, I think the bath diet is, um, you know, we, we're getting it right with the macros, the, um, the digestibility of all of our raw ingredients being, being raw. Um and minimally processed. You know, you do have some other foods out there that uh, might be slightly um, cooked, and that's okay for some dogs as well, you know. Um, and there might there are some dogs that just don't like raw, right? So the next best step for that would be to have a lightly cooked meal, and that's fine. But you still want that raw, fresh base that you, then you're going to cook up, okay? Right. But when you're eating it, when, when they're eating a raw raw diet they're getting from a joint perspective they're getting some some of these lovely fats that's going in there and these fats that uh, are high in omega-3 so you know our, our go-to in a lot of our diets is um is salmon you know salmon heads and salmon frames that we use in in all our diets really high in fat so they're sitting around 21 20 23 percent fat but they got these lovely levels of omega-3s in there so the omega-3s are those those anti-inflammatory fats that we're chasing on top of that, you've also got um, the cartilage and the white bone that I was talking about before. So you get in there, and even on the chicken-based diets as well, you're getting these lovely glucosamines, uh, chondroitins that are coming out of those raw materials, and that's why the, the bones are also so so important in the diet. Um, so they're all going going and working together to counteract that that inflammation, or to just give the body that those levels of omega threes and those lovely joint foods that they need to to assist and slow down you know that aging and and joint and, and bone deterioration. Right. That makes complete sense uh, given the, you know, the, um, yeah, the composition of, of what we're talking about with regards to those, um, you know, softer bones and, and the omega-3s. Uh, often people say the sign of a healthy dog is a beautiful shiny coat. Mm. How does, talk to me about how bath or the, you know, the evolutionary diet, the raw feeding diet, how does that help a healthier, shinier coat? Well, you don't get a shiny coat unless uh, you, the insides are working well. So well, we're going to start talking about the microbiome and that sort of stuff. So when you're, when you're feeding them a bath diet or a raw diet, um, we're putting some, some really nice foods down down the digestive tract that the, the healthy flora or bacteria are really going to start enjoying. Um, and then you start those benefits happening, and then there's a whole lot of science now going on with probiotics, um, the the communication channels between the probiotics, postbiotics, and of course the prebiotics is what's coming from our food. So you've got this lovely little operation, let's say that, going yeah. on in the intestines and in the colon and that sort of stuff. And then they're sending messages to the brain, and they're going, "Hey, we're really good down here. We're really healthy. We're loving life." So. You know, the, the body then is just responding to that and they're not, it's not really getting inflamed because they're getting the nutrition they need and um, it, oh, it just, it doesn't stop. Yeah. And, and I, I really don't have five hours. 
Yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a whole other podcast. That's I, another I, podcast. I, yeah, it is. Mm. But I mean the the basics of it is and. and with humans as well, is is you, you're talking about the link between gut and brain to an extent, aren't you? Which oh, is just um like the older I get, the more I can really understand that connection between gut and brain. And I mean, you know, you talk about you talk about all those old sayings. Oh, I've got a gut feeling about it. Mm-hmm. You know, pardon my French, shit on the liver. Yep. You know, all of those old sayings, if you dial them into up-to-date biology and theories, they all check out. Yeah. I think it's funny when you say, you know, I've got a gut feeling. That there's research out there that when people say that, it's like 9 out of 10 times, so 90% of the time, that gut feeling ends up being correct. Yeah. You know, so it is, and it's spot on. That is exactly what's going on. And that's why they refer to it as the second brain. Yeah. That's that's wild. <laughs> Quick, quick one, because this is another podcast as well. Yep. If I'm feeding Frank, um, my 14-year-old bulldog pug, who's a bloody legend, yep. if I'm feeding him big dog, which I do, yep. twice a day. Just saw it. Yep. Uh, does he need to add a probiotic to that? Well, it certainly wouldn't hurt him. Yeah, yeah right. You, you can't overdose on probiotics. Okay. Um, and, and there's a lot of... We certainly, we certainly have a great probiotic, and we're going to say that. And I believe it is the strongest on the market. You know, we have 20 billion for every five grams that you feed of our probiotic, you're getting 20 billion CFUs, which is colony-forming units, going into your dog's tucker. So then those that 20 billion gets to go down the channel, um, end up out in the intestines in the colon, and just, you know, they're having a party. Um, and they do get there as well because they're micro-encapsulated, our product. So you see a lot of probiotics out in the market. As soon as they hit the gut, they're destroyed because the gut for the dogs, especially, is sitting around you know, one and a half to two pH. So yeah, it's at, at acidity level. Acidity level. So you know, they're getting destroyed. They're not even getting to where they need to be. But we micro-encapsulate ours, and we do have another strain, uh, Bacillus subtilis, with a Japanese strain that comes through. But it's um, it's um, a spore-forming bacterium. So what, what the lovely thing spores do is when they go into that sort of environment, they actually encapsulate themselves naturally. It's incredible. And then they'll go through the, the, the channel and then when they get to where they need to be, then they drop that and away they go. It, it's just, it's it's overwhelming um, when you really get into the probiotic side of things and the gut health. And all that. So yes, I would always recommend probiotics. But I mean, it's a remarkable uh, chain reaction of, well, living things that are, that are interacting together to create these results inside an animal. Yeah. It's kind of mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. It's so, far, it's so more advanced than what we, we think. You know, we're just made of microbes. So are the dogs. Yeah. You know, that, that we're, we're just a microbe factory. So let, let's make them happy. Yeah, And the way sense. of making them happy is to feed them what they need to, to be fed, um, which comes back to the raw diet. They're going to get what they need, you know, those lovely fibres that go in there as well. You know, it's they... they they just have a party on it. Let's talk about bacteria for a moment. Yep. So someone out there is feeding their dog some sort of kibble. They might as well be feeding cornflakes. Mm-hmm. Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops, burgerings, you name it. Yep. So they then say to someone, hey, I'm going to change to a raw food diet. And they say, well, you know what? There's all kinds of bacteria in the raw food that's going to make your dog sick. 
respond. <laughs> <laughs> your your opportunity to retort responding um there is there's there, going to be all sorts of bacteria there is right how awesome i know that's what i say how awesome <laughs> you know and when we talk about bacteria the good outweighs the bad and i'm confident in saying that because if the bad was outweighing the good as a raw material you would be holding your nose. It would absolutely stink because these pathogens are, are foul and they let off foul odours, okay? So if you've got a nice, fresh piece of meat or meaty bone, it smells fresh because there's a lot of good bacteria on there and those good bacteria is what our body needs and they go through the whole process. The bad bacteria is going to pass through the same, the same process but they're also going to get cleaned up along the way with the acidity of the gut, those pathogens. We just spoke about the acidity of, of the gut. So if a dog is at, you said what, between 1 and 1.5? 1 and 1.5 to about 2. One pH of raw feeding dogs. What's, raw a, dogs. what's a human's gut at? We're a bit higher. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're sitting at about 3.5. All right. So basically a dog's gut, if on a raw diet, mm-hmm. obviously we, we can talk about the transition period between you know, a non-raw to a raw diet, but let's say a dog's on a raw diet, those pathogens and those, you know, in inverted commas, bad bacterias, yep. they're not going to survive. Well, they're not going to survive. Some might, if it's heavily laden with, with that bacteria, some right. might get through. Yeah. And if you look at the recalls on the kibbles, some definitely get through, right? Of course, right. Because they've been found in the in the feces of, on a few studies. Right. They, the bad bacteria have been found in the feces of the of those dogs. Not so much on the raw-fed dogs. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, you know, they, they do. A lot of them get eliminated. That's why dogs can have something, they bury it and they eat it later and there's still, you know, no problems. But if you've got a really heavily laden um, food that you're shoving, you know, you're expecting your dog to eat that, nine times out of ten, I'd say they'd walk away from it anyway because their nose is incredibly powerful and just won't touch it. Um, but if they happen to to eat it, you you might get a bit of a, you know, something like diarrhea or something like that going on. But again, that's why you've got to go to a reputable manufacturer, and you know we have we have specifications, raw material specifications, and we test for bacteria levels as well, um, as well. So if they're, they're starting to get too high from a raw material, we have a wonderful testing system at Big Dog where you know we can grab that raw material, we put it through our analyzer, and um, or send it off to third party. Sorry, I'm talking about my fossil with my macros, but send it off to third party and we get them tested. We, we do that and we keep our, our suppliers honest as well um, for that. You know, just to make sure that we, we know that their processing techniques are correct, their standards are, are correct, their cleaning processes are correct. You know, that, 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 all of that sort of contributes to, to high loads of bacteria. Just on that for a moment, we spoke, we did talk about AFCO earlier, but there are some other standards that Big Dog uh, voluntarily adheres to with its production and its uh, sourcing of raw materials. What are those? Well, because we're based in Queensland, we've got to adhere to human consumption processing anyway. Right. So the order um, food, food, food Safe Queensland, um, that's, that's what they order to. We don't have a code for, for pet food as such. So first of all, you know, it's it's a pretty good place to process pet food for all of the pet parents out there because we have to meet those HC standards straight away. Um, we we do we have external auditors come through, not just 
our, our um, state authority, and they will come through as the third-party auditor and do quite intense audits. Um, most of them last for two days when they when they go through, and they they're checking everything from um, our processes, our systems, our quality checks, um, our our macros. What we call out on a box is uh, regularly tested. Um, so we've got to show proof of that and, and, and whatnot. So there's a number of number of um, auditors, I, I guess, we're exposed to uh, on a yearly basis to, to adhere to. And then prob- we're part of PFIAA as well, which, it, as, as everybody knows, there's, there's no real standard um, in, in pet food processing in Australia, but certainly the PFIAA does have a pet food stand that you can follow if you're a member, and you should. And that would be one of my first... Um, questions as a pet parent is is this company reputable and if it's reputable it, it should be part of PFIAA because there is a set of stands that they must follow to be a part of um, PFIAA. Why wouldn't that be something every pet food manufacturer has to be a part of? What, what, what's, what are the barriers there? Is it just simply bureaucracy or what are we talking about there? Oh, it's just shortcuts. Um, yeah. there, there is a standard that you have to follow and if you're... Um, you're not following those. You, there is no way that you're you're even going to get approved by PFIAA. Um, so, I guess the ones that that aren't members members are, are certainly aren't calling that out, are they? They're, no. they're trying to hide that. But you know the the pet parents are getting pretty savvy nowadays, and they a lot of them are asking the the right questions, which is really good to see. The first one of the first things I noticed when uh, I got onto the raw feeding uh, train is a difference. And the dogs poo. <laughs> they, 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 you know, over the period of transition, the poos just became so much more nicer. Yeah, they're easy. They're so easy. How does it? What, what? Why does that make a difference? Why is it? Why is there a difference in what comes? Why does what go get, is going in makes a difference in what's coming out? Yeah, because on those highly processed diets, you've got a lot of fillers and bulking agents. So if you look at kibble dots, I mean, you walk down, you know, in, in this pathetic life I have, I walk down, I walk with my dog <laughs> and I see a stool and go, well, there's a kibble dot and there, this, one's on, this one's on tin food and this one's, you know, you can absolutely see what it is because it's pretty well what's going in is coming out. You could be at like a fair where they they put it like a whole bunch of dog poo in front of you and Chris, what's that? Well, that's a ten food. You yeah. get like the blue patch on your chest. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Is my badge? Yeah, so it, it's you can you can tell straight away pretty well what's going in, what's going out. You know, the bulking agents, the fillers, that sort of stuff. As I said, when kibble, that's how the stool comes out, big, puffy. How much went in is pretty well coming is coming out. Um, you know, I always muck around. So if you weighed that, what was going in, you weighed what was coming out. I don't think there'd be much zero difference. sum game. I don't think much difference. <laughs> and then the poor old dogs out there on these on these canned foods and that sort of stuff, and it's just squirting out. And then, and this is a pet hate of mine. There's a pet. There's two in one, and this is the the pet parent that feeds a highly processed diet for their poor old dog, and the second one is when they take them for walks and they go to go to toilet on the lawn and then it's so messy they can't even pick it up right i just you know, i just that irritates me yeah. so much and they there's one that's just nearly every second day is at my gate and I, i'm i'm gonna find that person 
<laughs> and that poor dog can save that dog. Yeah, look, just here's a box of big just, dog, all right? Please, mate, eat big dog, please. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to you. <laughs> for life. Yeah. I mean, I've had to, you know, for whatever reason, had to pick up those kind of poos before, and you, you've, I've got like a bag on each hand, and I'm trying to get a margin for error of dirt around yeah. it as well, and then you got to... Maybe you have to source some dirt from somewhere else to put over the top of it because you couldn't get it off all the oh, grass. Uh, it's a nightmare. And you're gagging because of the smell as well. Yeah. So that's, that's, that is um, one thing. The shape of the, the stool, the ease of it, the, the much less odour with it, well, they're, they're just the benefits of that, that happen with feeding. And, and half the size. And the, but also the, the gas from the dog as well. Oh, right? The yeah, dog's that, not um, flatulating anywhere near as much. That's right. It's another byproduct. So... Man, why do you think that the stool is half the size? You know, you, you used to feed this processed diet and the yes. stool is this size and then you feed bath. Why do you think it's half the size? Well, once again, I have a very small brain, but I'm thinking that a lot of the food and nutrients that are going in are being absorbed into the dog and used as fuel, maybe, something like that. So you nailed it. Yay. You are You are spot on. That is what's going on. So it's so much more cost effective too, right? And this is why it's also been proven and a lot of these dog behaviours are now recommending raw and that because the dog is content. It, it's eaten, it's happy, it's content. And, you know, a lot of these dogs that have fed a highly processed diet, they're just constant. They're just always hungry because... They're never really satisfied. They're never satisfied. Their body's always crying out. They're hungry, hungry, hungry. So, you know, there's so many benefits and stools are definitely one of them. Yeah, Absolutely. What about dental health? The, I mean, you know, I've spoken to, I believe, Dr. Nicole yep. on this show about dental health. That's a, it's a big conversation with dogs, and it's kind of something that historically we've neglected with the dogs. I mean, not everyone. I'm talking about me. You, yeah. you don't kind of think of it that much. Yep. But once you get into it, it's, a, it's obviously the first part of the digestive process is the teeth. That's the first part of the microbiome. There you go. You know, that's that's where the the digestion is starting to happen. You've got those probiotics there that um, all the all the bacteria that is starting to work on that food immediately. You've got those those enzymes and all that sort of starting to happen. Breakdown when it gets to the gut, and that's when you need the lower acidity and why they can tolerate bones um, is because that acid just breaks those bones down as well. You know, put, turns it into that mush that it needs to go, and, mm. and then continues on its way. So your dental health is huge, and again, what you're feeding, eh, you know, the call out from some of these kibble companies, which is is ironic, you know, that it's helping teeth is quite the opposite. I think Dr. Nicole actually she touched on that. There is not a kibble out there that is going to help clean your dog's teeth. The the ingredients just aren't there to do that. Now, when you say oh, it was a bath dog going to, well, it, it, you don't get much cleaning action in the way that they. Most dogs clean up our product, right? Um, but you've got this fresh, fresh raw ingredients that's there. That's not going to be as um, offensive to the teeth and the gums and the gums of um, of these dogs that you know alternatively eating these highly processed kibble diets. Yeah. So the the basically r- raw meaty bones good for teeth, but also brush your dog's teeth as well if you get the time. Yeah. You know, we've, we've always said uh, our raw meaty bones. Is uh, nature's toothbrush for the yeah. dogs and cats out there? Yeah. Um, uh, I did have another question for you, mate. Um, we've covered a lot of the benefits of raw feeding. Um, you know, we talked about 
chronic illness. Now, I would would put obesity in there as well because obviously, if you're feeding the the recommended amount uh, of the raw food, you there's you know, as you just spoke, the food's being absorbed and used as as fuel. If a dog has the right amount of activity, you're not going to get a an obese dog as well. No, it's quite the opposite. You actually see them start to muscle up a little bit. They lose that little tummy <laughs> underneath. Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, no. As soon as you say a little tummy underneath, I just get introspective about it. I'm like, was he talking about me? <laughs> was that was that directed at me? I'm, I'm going okay. You and me both. <laughs> um, reproductive health. So a lot of breeders will feed raw as well mm-hmm. because of the improved reproductive health. Tell me how that works. Yep, well, it's been proven, and, and uh, there's something circulating again now um, about uh, raw feeding that was that was done with uh, Guide Dogs Queensland. Yeah, uh, a number of years ago now, we were supplying them that that raw product. Um, the CEO at the time was um, was uh, way ahead of her time, and um, you know she thought about it and just just said, well, if these are the benefits, let's have a look at them and what savings are there by feeding raw food diet because we've got, yes, we're getting our, our food for free, this kibble, but our vet bills are high, our reproductive numbers are low. Um, you know, dogs actually being able to go through, right through the program because if they if they have illnesses or even itch, um, terrible um, itching and all that sort of mm. stuff, that they can't, they can't proceed. So... They turned it around and thought, all right, let's feed raw and then let's monitor what, what happens with our vet bills and our reproductive health and all that sort of stuff. And not surprising for anybody out here that's listening to it is it took, it's got turned on its head. So, yes, they started buying the raw food, but then the vet bills um, went way down, way down, and all the other issues and more dogs than in the colony. Um, their, um, what's the word when we're talking about their their makeup so they continue. Um, Which is how robust they are. Oh, uh, well, it's not robust, but there's a, there's a way for, you know, so their hips are in line and right, all that sort okay. of stuff. Right, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, They're biomechanics, I suppose. Yeah, so so they have to test for that as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, they, that, those scores were just, just went through the roof. So much better. These dogs so much happy. And uh, back to your question, the litter sizes just went through the roof as well. Really? Yeah, so when you had... A bitch throwing maybe three or four puppies, they're all of a sudden up to 10, 11, 12. And this is this is like jackpot because they've got all these lovely breeding lines and they're trying to get as many as they can because they've got so many clients out there. That was always an issue and still is to this day. They've got so many clients that they, they can't keep supply up. Correct. They? So it's really quite important that we're getting these really healthy litter numbers. And then the bitches were so healthy as well. You know, they're feeding these these um, litters of 12 dogs, they weren't getting mastitis under it, uh, after it or any or during it. You know, it was, it was, they were responding um, so much quickly and, and it, the whole colony health just went through the roof, including the stud dog sperm. The morphology on that was just through the roof. So the healthy sperm, um, and it's all about numbers as well with the dogs, you know, you really want them to have a really high count um, and a healthy count. It went through the roof as well, so that's why you've probably seen a lot of the breeders. That right there, that's all you need as far as a conversation. Why? Why raw feed? This right here. That, yeah. that that's that's it. That is like that's game set match. 
you know, everything else is okay. You know, these are all great points. But if you just, that story right there, that's a mic drop. Yeah. Well, guess what? What? The CEO got moved on. They had a new CEO. And guess what happened? No. Yes. Straight back to kibble. Straight back to that kibble that was given to them for free. Mm. So then they had to push and publicise that that's the kibble they use. Wow. Mm-hmm. Sad. Sad. Yeah. And is that breeding colony now still active today? No, it's not. Is that right? Correct. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, there are certainly other uh, organisations out there, like, you know, your smart pups that are feeding um, raw and feeding big dog, which, you know, obviously they're seeing the wonderful benefits of it as well. So that's a, that's a good story as well. Yeah. Mate, um, to finish off, let's bust a couple of myths. Okay. All right. So I think we've busted the bacteria myth well and truly, right? Yep. So that bad bacteria, nine times out of ten, it's not going to survive well enough in a dog's gut to uh, give it any too many issues. I mean, let me just say, yeah. some of them will get through, but bacteria is all about a numbers game. Yeah. So if they do get through, and they, and, and they will, some of them, the bad ones, in the guts there or in the intestines, don't forget you've got this whole army of good bacteria. And when I say it's a numbers game, the good bacteria go, you know what, there's a thousand to one here. So you're out, mate. We got they just die. Yeah, they just die. <laughs> Nothing happens there. They're there stead and just go, all right, I'll just mind my business, right? Yeah. Now, it can turn around because these guys replicate every 20 minutes. Every 20 minutes, you've got a million bacteria, 20 minutes later, now you've got two. Another 20 minutes, now you've got four. Jeez. You know, so that's how quickly it is. There's a million bacteria on one pinhead, just so you, you, you take in consideration how many is down there. Um, so it's real numbers game. And if the pathogens start turning around now, this is what will happen as well. If you're talking about antibiotics and that sort of stuff, and here's another beauty with our, our particular probiotics, because we've got that microencapsulation, they don't get destroyed with... Um, Antibiotics. So antibiotic will just go and they don't care if you're a They'll bad. They'll kill good and bad. Yeah, right? they don't care if you're bad or good. They just wipe you out. Yeah. And that's the problem. And then that can take up to six months to to get your micro and for and more to get your microbiome back to where it was. So wow. it, it's like dropping a bomb. So antibiotics are not good if sometimes you just gotta use it right. But don't don't rush to be using antibiotics for us all all our pets. Um, and if you do We'll grab a bottle of probiotics and have uh, of big dog probiotics and use those as well because yeah. that will protect that microbiome and keep replenishing whilst this antibiotics going to work. Okay, um, myth number two: we're going to bust here, Chris. Uh, garlic in dogs. <laughs> garlic is horrible and toxic for dogs, isn't it, Chris? No, it's not. It's not. No, it's what? A, it's a one I know. You had to raise this. Like, <laughs> I had to. We coughed a lot for for removing garlic, and here's here's the thought process. We remove the garlic because we want more people on raw, and I know we got bashed out there saying that well, it's our job to educate, and we did. We did do it for twenty years, yeah. educating about garlic, and and you know there's not really an issue with it, and it's actually a wonderful ingredient to include in your dog's diet. But we, we wanted more people to be using the raw and trying the raw, not to be scared off by one little ingredient called garlic. So that's the way we thought, you know, if you want to use the garlic, just add a little bit to your, to your dog's diet. It is a wonderful, it's nature's antibiotic. Um, it, it, it's just terrific what it does. 
and you know everybody now knows the the studies that have been that have been out there now. Uh, I think that came from Japan or Korea, one of the um, one of those two countries. And the amount you've got to eat is just ridiculous. The, the yeah. dog would never eat that much, and neither would a human yeah. being. So it, it's false, you know, the myth busted. But I, I really do um, encourage people to feed a bit of garlic in their dog feed for sure. Right. What about um, things like you know? Everyone says chocolate's toxic for a dog. Mm. Is it? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. Don't feed your dog chocolate. Don't feed no, your no. no, I don't. Good <laughs> chocolate in my house, mate. Um, you know, some of those some of those products are it's a little bit different now. Like they never, everybody said no avocados, but yeah. Av- I was, well, that was going to be the next question: avocados. Well, avocado flesh is fine. It is wonderful for them. Yeah. Okay, just don't feed the pit. All right. Yeah. My understanding is that even the skin is okay, but I wouldn't be feeding the skin to it. I'm just not confident with that. But yeah. the flesh, definitely. I think we've covered most things, Chris, about yeah. raw feeding. Um, Big Dog is a uh, Queensland company. It, it's pretty convenient package size. So it's scientifically formulated. You know, you work loosely to those numbers we were talking about earlier, the 70, 10, yep. 10, 10. Uh, obviously, a, a broad range of different proteins, including some single protein diets, yep. which are for what, what what would you say if someone said why do you why do you do a species specific or a, a single species diet? Well some dogs are um, are allergic yep. to, to beef and chicken. They're the two most popular proteins that and that's another story as well as to why so many dogs are um, intolerant to it. But um, really, we just want to give them that that alternative option. So we've got those three. We've got the goat, kangaroo, turkey. Mm. But then we've got sensitive skin that's also free of beef and chicken. Um, uh, So there's a number of options there for them. Um, But even those elimination diets, you know, I think there'll definitely be some some vets out there that may be using some of our our, um, uh, allergy range diets to as an elimination yeah. diet as well, you know it just rules a lot of things out. But am, am I an advocate for just SPD? No, it's, it serves a purpose. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I, I keep saying, you know, imagine, imagine a wolf walking down the track. I'm not going to eat that chicken, are we? Yeah. There's a yeah. Do you have any goat on the diet? Are you all out? Well, there's a chook that walks past him. He's going to smash that, and then a bunny rabbit five <laughs> yeah, minutes yeah, up the road. He's yeah, going to smash exactly. that. So then all of a sudden, you've got these proteins Hang going on. down together. It's you know, I'm, I'm not. And, and interesting enough, our best seller is, is the combo diet. Yeah, right. There you so go. Beef, lamb, chicken, pork. Makes sense. Yeah, mate. That's it. Big dog pet feeds uh, at your good local pet store. You'll get it. It's a um, three kilo box. 250 gram patty, a range to suit any, even the most picky of dog eaters. You feed one, you defrost one. It's a pretty simple process, mate, isn't it? Simple process. I think it's as convenient um, as possible. As it could be. You know, and also you can you can feed with kibble if that's what you want as well. You don't have to just feed raw. Don't be worried about that. If you feel, comfort, um, you, you feel better or more comfortable with feeding, Bit of co-feeding, kibble, yeah, absolutely, kibble, and, and you know, you're all together, excellent, because that is so much better than just feeding yes. um, a, a tin of bickies. Any bit of raw food you can add in, no matter what the amount, is going to be beneficial for the dog. 100, percent even if it's five yeah. percent, you know, you, you're doing you're doing a really good thing for your dog. 
Absolutely. What do you reckon, Chris? I reckon if someone's out there listening right now, no matter what platform they're listening on, they should probably subscribe to this podcast and they should give us a five-star rating. What do you reckon? Oh, five-star rating would be amazing. Wouldn't it? If, Amazing. And I can promise you, I won't be on here regularly, so well, this, you know, this I won't the, bore him to death. <laughs> <laughs> this has been incredibly informative, mate, and I certainly appreciate it. Um, but as I said, look, if you're listening on the, on uh, a certain platform, we do regular talks like this with some really informative people. We mentioned Dr. Nicole. We've spoken to a whole bunch of different vets. Um, we spoke to – there's one that we did with Smart Pups. So, and lots more coming yeah. as well. Um but I think um, this is really informative, mate. Do you ever reach out to, to the listeners and ask what they want to hear? Do we do that? Well, if let me tell you this. Okay. If there's a topic that you want to hear, you can email info at bigdogpetfoods.com.au. Yeah, why don't we do that? Well, they can, you can hit us on the socials, on um, Instagram and on Facebook and say, hey, I really want to talk about, I don't know, um, Whatever it may be, if there's an interesting uh, dog advocate out there you want to hear from, we'll try and get in contact with them and get them on the uh, on the podcast just so you can find out what it's all about. Absolutely. It doesn't all have to be about the, the specifics of raw feeding, albeit how incredibly interesting and informative that was, mate. So thank you so much. Um, appreciate you coming by to pause and listen, Chris. Uh, as I said, if you do have a question... Get on to, oh, actually, it's customer care at bigdogpetfoods.com.au. There is an info ad as well. Yeah. But customer care at bigdogpetfoods.com.au. For all your questions, hit Big Dog Pet Foods on the socials. Pretty much every social there out that, that is out there. If you're a beginner raw feeder, you can get onto the Big Dog Pet Foods website and there is a beginner's guide to raw feeding, which uh, obviously won't go into the detail Chris just went into, but is a really good reference if you're just looking to kick off and you're kind of stuck at somewhere to start, big dog, www.bigdogpetfoods.com. Uh, and yeah, it's just one of those tabs. It's a, a, a beginner's guide to raw food. And away you go. Can I just add one little thing there? You can add whatever you want. Thanks. So yeah, I think it's a really good opportunity. Obviously, we've, um, we've just moved to a new facility. Um, you know, and that's been 23 years in the making. So it's, it's, it would be wonderful if we can just acknowledge everybody that has supported us along the way. Yep. Um, you know, we really do appreciate it, all that support that has happened. Um, and it's enabled us to move across to this new facility and, you know, continue to do what we do and make more and more for, for the pet parents that are switching over and, and seeing those benefits and enriching their dogs' lives. So a big call out to everybody. Well, ultimately, mate, if people aren't out there uh, buying into this raw feeding, as you said, revolution and buying the product, you know, there's no food on the table for you and I. So as you said, big thank you. Yeah, massive thank you, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's it for this episode of of Big Dog Pet Food sponsored or owned, delivered. Pause and listen. I can't wait to catch up next time with you. As I said, give me a five-star rating. It'll just help my fragile ego. (laughs) But I look forward to the next time we're talking to you. Take care. Have a good one. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information and content, visit the Big Dog Pet Foods website. Please note that the information discussed in these podcasts is general in nature and has been provided in good faith for educational and informational purposes only. The information provided is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional advice or care. 
If any of the topics discussed raise questions or concerns for you regarding the health of your pet, we recommend that you consult your veterinarian or trusted pet health provider for an individual assessment and advice. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.